Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in a crossover comic. Turtle Power. Hi, I'm Billy's cool hoodie Sid. And I'm a powerful sewer rat named Ashley. And this is Ranger Splain, where Sid, me, enthusiastic lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes Ashley, reluctant new fan, through the world of Power Rangers and Power Rangers accessories. This month, we're continuing the crossover comics with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. The one with cool art, not the weird one with Andros. Yeah, uh, less, one, less yeah. mentioned about that one, the better. <laughs> yeah. So, so what exactly is this one about? Well, when Tommy goes missing from Angel Grove for several weeks, the team tracks him down to New York City. When it appears that Tommy has gone rogue and joined the nefarious Foot Clan, this puts them at odds with the infamous Heroes in a Half Shell, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. However, when Shredder gets a hold of the Dragon Coin and teams up with Rita Repulsa, the two teams of teens have to join forces to save the city and the world. As always, we go through who uh, was behind the creation of this comic, uh, or the team, creative team, rather. Uh, writers were Ryan Parrott. Art and limited edition covers uh, are by uh, Simone de Mio, with assistance from Alicia Zono, issues two through four, or two through five, rather. Letters by Ed Dukeshire, and uh, covers by Dan Mora. Uh, we're gonna do another flash and loose disclaimer. Um, again, it's like, there's not, like, because this is a crossover, you, you, not much goes into, like, character arcs going forward in, like, Power Rangers or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you pretty much know who a lot of these guys are, so. Yeah, like, we, you don't need us telling you about Shredder or, um, I just forgot the names of all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, or, you know, yeah. They're Renaissance artists. Yeah, like yeah. Mike, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello, and there's like- Raphael. One. Yeah. Raphael, yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, but yeah, you don't need us telling you about them. Like, yeah. It, 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 like, this has a, as I mentioned in the previous episode, this has a very similar structure to the Justice League crossover, because that crossover kind of set the- the formula that they would use going forward. Um, so, but for this one, I found it interesting is that like, it's technically non-canonical to either comic, I guess, um, depending on your own definition of canonical, but it seems more in line with kind of the current Power Rangers comics continuity. Like, and it, it certainly helps that Ryan Parrott has been the, um, well, up until the, by the time this episode is released, he's kind of been the main writer for Power Rangers for several years. Um, I believe mm -hmm. by the time that this this uh, this episode is out, he will have just left the monthly comic. Yeah. 
Um, so basically I think they decided to kind of do it more in terms of like how it lines up with the actual Boom Studios comic versus kind of just doing something loosely based off the te- of the television series like the Justice League crossover did. Yeah, I think it also helps that this came, this did come later yeah. in in this. So now it's like, okay, we have a, an idea and flavor of how, you know, the Boom Studio comics characters are different than the TV timeline, basically. Yeah, and so, like, it definitely comes across a little bit more um, character drama-ish in that regard. Yeah. That's not an insult to how the, you know, the comics are played out, but, like, I, I think there's a little bit more of an emphasis on the relationship between the characters in this book versus, like, the the, the last book um, that we cover, the the Justice League crossover where it, it, it was like, obviously, yeah, the characters did have relationships with each other, but I think there was kind of a less of a focus on that more for kind of the action of the story that was happening. Yeah. Um, not to say that um, there is an action in this book. There's plenty of it. Oh yeah. It's pretty too. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was just, it was, uh, I, I, it really does make sense. Like they would, that yeah, it's like we're gonna draw from more of the the comics line and everything more so than from the show. And also, it's like you know, it's a little longer, so Boom's editorial and all that. They it's a bit more streamlined process, I guess. Yeah, the right word. Yeah, because it's like they've had it for a while now. There's some there is a kind of a tone that you come to expect when you pick up a Power Rangers comic from Boom Studios. Um, yeah, so like. I, I I think that like mentally I might have been expecting it to be more a little bit like the the Justice League book. Now, no, not to say that any of my own issues with this is not due to how they presented the characters in it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so definitely it feels more in line with kind of what we've come to expect from Boom Studios and their comic presentation of the Power Rangers versus like what we had seen very early on where they hadn't really formed you know years of continuity and identity yet yeah it it pretty much is like the justice league was like at the beginning and you know everyone was still kind of playing around with it now there's a little bit more firmer like an identity and uh their own line of continuity that they can play with yeah so i think that lends itself interestingly to kind of what you could expect from a crossover with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like, I wonder if maybe we would have seen something a little bit more similar to the first crossover comic if it had happened around then. Yeah. Maybe something that was just a little bit more smash em up um, and a little less focused on the characters themselves. Um, but it, but yeah, I think you do have see some very similar moments between the two because, like I said, the first one kind of set the formula for this one going forward. Um, but I think yeah, there's definitely a emphasis on kind of that internal drama between you know the Rangers themselves and the struggle of you know because this happened in Go Go too, where there was that kind of that back and forth struggle of. You know, yeah, we're great. Like, we enjoy being Power Rangers to an extent, but it leaves us kind of in a weird place where, you know, we don't really have lives outside of that. Or our our, our lives outside of that are kind of always kind of, you know, has to cede to being a Power Ranger. 
And then you kind of have, like, the, you know, the, the emotional through line with the turtles being kind of this discussion about w- wanting to be seen as normal. Yeah. And, like, ha- you know, not wanting to be feared for, you know, this, even though that they are out there saving the city constantly. Yeah. So... Yeah, I I think it was very interesting in that regard, just kind of seeing kind of just the different tones between the two books, even though, like, they ostensibly have the same kind of, like, internal structure. Like we've mentioned, it's another ensemble piece, but uh, the emotional through line this time is Tommy. You like Tommy? Great. Yeah, like... Especially because, again, this is going back to the whole, like, playing with the Boom Studios continuity. Because there's a whole thing about Tommy goes to New York. It appears that he joins the Foot Clan and goes bad again. But it turns out that he's actually trying to get a friend of his from back in his childhood. Before he he was adopted. Um, Oh, yeah. Because I'm just like, I, I, maybe we just haven't gotten there in the Boom Studios comics yet. Because we've only, for the podcast, we've only read really read Go-Go and a couple of other stuff, obviously. But in terms of, like, like full arcs and not counting Pink, yeah. we've only really read Go-Go. And that one did, like, where we were in Go-Go, Tommy had not been introduced yet. Yeah, Tommy was not introduced yet. So, so. I don't know if the whole background of him being a adopted is a thing there um but it sounds like he was adopted like you know he wasn't adopted from a baby he was adopted as a kid so he's trying to save a friend of his from joining the making bad choices and joining the foot clan and so he's trying to get him out and obviously everything kind of goes haywire from there and uh yeah gets got and gets the dragon coin stolen from him Great job, Tommy. Yeah. I, th- I think that just kind of, like, goes... You know, like, that's one of the issues I had with the book. Just get... Not... This is a personal thing. This is not a slight yeah. against any of the writers. I get why they decided to go with Tommy. Because it, it's Tommy. And, you know, people want to, like... You know, he's like, Oh, this this character was so awesome when I was five years old. And he kind of... I don't want to say keeps the fran- like the lights on, but, like... The, the the franchise definitely has a tendency to go back to him because of the yeah. uh, that arc of familiarity. Um I don't even know if arc's the right word there, but you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, but it just as soon as it came like as soon as I realized, oh, we're going with Tommy as the emotional center of the book, I'm just like, Great, again. <laughs> Yay, Tommy. It's one of those things that like when I was a kid, yeah, Tommy was a big deal. I love Tommy as a kid. Like, that's, I think that's going to surprise people. But also, like, keep in mind, I was a kid of the 90s. Of course, I fucking love Tommy. Right. Like, everyone did. And I don't think, you know, there was this expectation for Tommy to get as big as, you know, pointed out that they really only were going to have him around for a few episodes. And then, you know, this character was so fucking popular. Mm-hmm. Essentially, as, like, as time goes on, you know, and everything, it's like, yeah, they just keep coming back to Tommy. And I don't know if it's just because, like, JDF's easy to get a hold of, and he's like, oh, hell yeah, I'll do some Power Ranger stuff. Or, you know, because, yeah, Tommy just happens to be just so popular. Like, everyone remembers Tommy as a kid. Right. 
but it just leads to kind of like stuff from the outside of just kind of like if you're continual pat like if you just casually like the stuff and will you know go into any sort of mighty morphin lore it's fine uh but it definitely like drags if you're like constantly keep up with the stuff and you're like uh I'm, I'm done with Tommy Tommy it was like t- peak Tommy was truly Dino Thunder yeah I feel like after Dino Thunder Tommy didn't really need to be a focus of anything in like Power Rangers continuity anymore however you define Power Rangers continuity yeah but like he keeps coming back and like obviously we haven't read the full like shattered grid arc yet so i can't really say anything about how he's presented as dracon and how that compares to anything else so that is we are not talking about lord dracon at all in this regard we're specifically talking about tommy oliver and how he is constantly presented in canon as kind of the peak performance of power ranger which is just like okay whatever okay like jen scott and like Carter Grayson exists, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like Carter Grayson, who like literally would, was right, like almost died to save, to save the world. Mm -hmm. And like Jen Scott's, so like, who, who, who will literally be like, well, you know, I'll fuck up a timeline for my, for my, for my boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, but yeah, sure, Tommy. Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) Um, I will say it's it's kind of interesting the the whole like him trying to save his friend from basically falling in with a bad crowd. Yeah. Um in this case the bad crowd is a evil cabal of ninjas. Yeah. Um I, I yeah, I will say like I would not mind that so much if I just was not over Tommy as a character. Yeah, but it's it's just yeah, and you know it, it was interesting because it's like you do have to- like they you know they were touching on something that kind of came up in the show, but you know just kind of went away because uh, it was Zio and that was a weird time. Didn't Tommy have a brother uh, too? Yeah, he had a brother. That's how he found out he was adopted. It was a whole thing. Oh, right. I'm like, I forget that's actually... I. It's one of those things that we've done so much with Power Rangers, I forget things that were canon and, like, early Power Rangers, like Tommy being adopted. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, so you, this is me in real time just being like, oh, yeah, he was adopted and he had a brother and he's technically Native American. That Zio was certainly a time, mm-hmm. but... And also, it's a very, like, you know, since we're drawing apart, like, upon things that came up on the 80s and 90s, especially in, like, kids' affair, I, I, I do realize where Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle started as a comic, and it was, like, people debate whether or not it was for kids, but uh, the TV show really made it took off. So you're, you're having, like, kids' TV show stuff, mm-hmm. and... Oftentimes they have this like wrong crowd type episode, so it was a neat thing to do. But yeah, this is this is just not like anything against you know whoever decided on Tommy. It's just like God, you just get sick of Tommy after a while. Yeah, I was like, can we move on to someone other than Tommy? Yeah, pretty much. And kind of moving on with regards to the comic itself, uh, you noted here, and I agree with you. Boy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has a lot of lore. <laughs> so, 
quick thing to go over. Ashley and I are not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fans. Um, and that's nothing to say, like, fuck Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's just, like, it's a particular, like, little divide, I think, uh, of early 80s babies and, and later 80s babies. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, you were born in 1990. Yeah. And so, you know, we're on the 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 latter half of that where, like, we missed the whole thing about how Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was and popular in its heyday. Like, my sister and my cousin were really into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, loved it. My sister definitely very loved it. Like, I definitely have memories around it. But both of us just, you know, it just wasn't a part of our radar. But I had a lot of friends, oddly enough, around your age, Ashley, <laughs> who were really into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There are some people who are just really into it. And I learned a lot of osmosis. Mm-hmm. Like I learned through osmosis a lot of things from it. And I just forgot how lore-heavy because of how many iterations of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles there's been. <laughs> how lore-heavy it could get. Like I'm like, oh yeah, there really is this like secret evil like clan of ninjas yeah and like (laughs) admittedly i've heard that the last couple of like tv series they've done are actually pretty good that i do actually want to go back and like maybe watch it at some point just sort of as a uh as a passing curiosity like i know that like the you know rise of teenage mutant ninja turtles i know john cena voiced a character on it that's a lot of what (laughs) i know um and then there was a really dirty joke in the one in the series that came before that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for yeah, I just never really got into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which surprises some people. And I've I've talked about that before is that I don't really know the I can't tell you the immediate difference uh, between the turtles without somebody reminding me. Like, I, literally I, in my notes, I had to write down who was wearing what bandana because I can't, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. <laughs> I have an unfortunate way of how I know Donatello, and that was because that was my ex's favorite. Oh. And my ex also loved the color purple, so. Yeah, I have, like, so I do have this one WWE figure that is, um, so they did a crossover line Mattel did a couple of years ago. Where they had some of the rangers drawn, uh, not rangers, they did some of the turtles as WWE, um, I hate saying WWE superstars, it's such fucking corporate speak, um, <laughs> but like, so they drew them as, they did them as various wrestlers within WWE, and so like, it literally the line was Ultimate Warrior, Roddy Roddy Piper, The Rock, and Finn Balor. Well, that was that was series two, specifically. So basically, yeah, Leonardo. It, it has Leonardo as Finn Balor, and like I remember showing that to our friend Emma, who we mentioned in the last episode. She's like, "Oh, I don't really see Leonardo as Finn," and I'm like, "I don't know the difference between any of them." <laughs> like, I also, I yeah. <laughs> I should also note the first line of figures had John Cena, Sting. The Undertaker and Macho Man Randy Savage. I, I, I admittedly kind of miss some of these Mattel crossovers because they would get fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who who liked Michelangelo a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and also his favorite color was orange. So that's how I remembered Michelangelo in orange. That's fair. 
But yeah, I couldn't tell you about like the actual personality. I can't tell the colors apart. I couldn't even tell you the personalities of them. So yeah, I just it's like I know like basically what the, the they are that they're four you know mutated turtle teenagers who you know go around fighting crime in New York City that they have a kind of terrifying villain named Shredder. They have a giant sewer rat mentor named Splinter. I think it's funny about Splinter from what I do remember. It depends on the continuity, whether he is also a mutated rat that then learned like Kung Fu and stuff, or he was a, um, he was a martial arts master Mm -hmm. who then got mutated into a rat. Yeah. Um, I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sure. Why not? Sure. I mean, I could tell you, yeah. like, the very basics, like, and then obviously April O'Neil, who everybody fucking debates on whether her original iteration was black or not. Um, Everyone's also horny for her. Yeah, everybody's horny for her. Rachel Bloom played her in Adult Swim, not Adult Swim, Robot Chicken. Rachel Bloom played her in Robot Chicken. Um, yeah. Megan Fox played her in a couple of the live action movies. I, yeah. I, yeah, there is. Yeah, and then you have B. I you can, have Bebop and Rocksteady. I yeah. Other than that, I can't tell you anything about the plot or how the characters are like. Besides, April O'Neil's a journalist. There's also a guy who sometimes wears a hockey mask. K- Casey. Casey Jones. Yeah, yeah. The, Casey, and I think Casey Jones. It just depends whether or not they want to use him if he shows up right. and is different. Like that when I was like looking at the comics and so, like this one, I'm like, oh my god, they're actually like diving into like some stuff about Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually can sort of tell the turtles apart. I'm just really bad at mixing up Leonardo and um, Raphael. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's because Leonardo is kind of like the older brother type, and I want to always cast him as like the red. Red one, and said he's like blue, right? You know, Raphael, the big hot headed, you know, guy is the red, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 like because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has lasted, has been around since the Mm eighties, and it has like, oh yeah, I was right, it was eighty four, so it's like this thing's been around since the eighties, and yeah, there's like all sorts of uh timelines. Timeline continuities with it and everything. So there's just so much lore that you would not think for a franchise about like four turtles that were raised by a rat martial arts master who uh, love pizza and and fight against a guy named Shredder. But yeah, there's so much there. there it, it felt like they dove into some of that lore, and I'm glad I have some osmosis of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was also like, man, I forgot a lot about this because I, I don't prioritize Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, same. I, I don't even think I was aware that Karai was a character until this arc. I'm like, whoa, like Shredder's always had like a female lieutenant. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I did not know about her, or if I had known about her, I forgot about her. Like, I think that was just part of the struggle of entry, and we'll talk about this a bit, is, like, there's just so much with regard, it, like, it's got so much background in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that, yeah. like, it, it's, it, it was easy to get a little bit lost, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, 
But yeah, I think it was just, yeah, there's a lot of lore and like I said, a lot of background. Like when I was trying to go and find this comic, I found so many other like crossovers that they've done with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like I know that there was a, um, there was a DC Comics one, which is where the whole like, uh, this is where my parents were killed. <laughs> like, panel <laughs> comes from. I found an X-Files one. Uh, which, oh my god, I think, I think Mulder's head would explode. <laughs> um. It would. All I can think of is, this is where I watched my parents die, Parappa. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you're wa- this is where you watched your parents die. die. Oops, oops. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's been a lot of crossovers and a lot of comics continuity and a lot of separate continuity for the Turtles. Like, even I was wondering, is like, is this is this one in terms with IDW's like current run? Because I know that like Sophie Campbell was working on that book for a bit, and she'd like co-create like she co-created like a new like female turtle named I think Jerica or Jenica. And, like, people were mad about that online because she didn't have a name that was matched up with another, like, you know, artist from the Renaissance era. Which is very funny because when they did do a female turtle in the next mutation, her name was just Venus. Yeah, which does not actually match up with um, any artist. Uh, But, yeah, so... Yeah, I was just wondering what route they were going to go with this, which I feel like they just kind of went with. It's kind of, well, it might be in line with comics continuity, but I feel like they're just very basic, like, Turtles lore, which even for Turtles lore, there's still a lot. Yeah. I was also about to say, Sophie Campbell worked for Tokyo Pop, so whatever nerds online say, I think she would just, like, laugh or something. Yeah, uh... Sophie Campbell has no concern for your your fucking trolling. She lived through having to work with DJ Milky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah. Well, we'll get into again, we'll get into like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff a little bit more. But uh definitely the art is fucking rad. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that like that makes comics a thing I really love is it's like a blend of visual and as well as written storytelling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes visual, especially with action stuff, visuals can, you said on last episode, stuff can sometimes look static Mm -hmm. and um, people they get to do this stuff at boom, like the artists they get, they're really good at making very dynamic looking um, storytelling. Yeah. And, this was one of those, it was, like, really, like, solidly done, like, you know, panelings in such a way that kind of draws attention to the action. Um, they did some really great designs for the Rangers when they had to be, like, regular turtles, quote-unquote. Because Wasn't it, like, the, the turtles ended up using their powers, basically, to do something? Yeah, because they lost, um... They lost their connection with the dragon, not the dragon coin, but they lost their connection with the power coins. I forget how. Um, so basically, the they found that the turtles and April could access them. So yeah. basically, the um, so for like I think the second half of the crossover, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and April O'Neil are the Power Rangers. 
There's some cool morphing shit. Oh, yeah. Just the way the suit designs were and how they introduced, like, the Power Rangers when they, you know, dressed up uh, basically incognito. And this is what they would be like if they were Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it was like, yeah, the designs in this book were so cool and, like, very toyetic. I... Using that just makes me feel like a jackass, but, like... <laughs> it's like, this is toyetic, and I feel like a jerk. Yeah, um, but, like, no, they, they're... They've designed, like, um, they've designed and released action figures based off of the turtle designs, and they look great in 3D. Like... Yeah. Like, they, obviously, I don't think there's the, the direct intention of, we're gonna sell toys off of this, even though Hasbro would be like, we're definitely gonna sell toys off of this. Um, <laughs> Hasbro's like, fuck yeah. But, yeah, like, no, they translated well to a 3D space without having to, like, you know, change that much about it. And, like, yeah, no, the art in this is great, the morphing sequences are great, the... Uh, the designs are great. Like they, they definitely. It, that was definitely something that was kind of missing a little bit from the. Um, not to say that the art wasn't great from the Justice League crossover, but since it was like, oh, just raid the closet and put on whatever. Yeah. Like you didn't have that potential of having like a cool, kind of crossover art moments of seeing like, you know, the Justice League and the Ranger costumes. Yeah, so, you, or, yeah, you don't have that cool design moment. Yeah, it, it they definitely took advantage of, like, those sorts of designs. Yeah. Uh, kind of coming back um, to, the, to the We Were Lost thing. Yeah, it's just one of those things that um, I understand why they did this. Because there is a lot of overlap of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans and Power Ranger fans. There is so much overlap there mm-hmm. that this this makes so much sense to put out um power rangers more or less kind of filled a bit of the void that teenage mutant ninja turtles sort of left behind mm-hmm. when the like 80s cartoon was like pretty much finishing up and all that and so yeah there's there was definitely like this crossover crowd that this would this appeals to them it has you know, Ninja Turtle lore, it has Power Ranger stuff, you know, all great. The story beats were pretty good and all that, minus our issues with Tommy. You know, they they did, you know, the team-ups. I know that, like, Donatello, like, teamed up a lot with, with Billy, and they kind of, you know, made sure everyone was with people that were similar. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, one of those things, like, we're, like, Two of the few Power Ranger fans who aren't big into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, so we both just kind of felt a little bit lost reading this. And it's one of those things where it's like, I can recognize what they're doing to get a pop. Like, just to use wrestling terms for a second. Like, obviously when Shredder gets the dragon coin and, like, gets, like, the powers of the green Power Ranger... Like, I can tell, like, even from the way that they're doing the art and all of that, that this is a terrifying but exciting moment. But yet, I can't really, I can just, I can recognize this is a terrifying and exciting moment, but it doesn't draw the, oh, what, like, reaction that it's trying to get out of the reader. Like, it doesn't draw it out of me, personally, because I don't have familiarity with you know with shredder as a character besides the fact that i know he exists and that depending on the lore he's kind of scary 
Yeah. And then, like, yeah, so that's, like, that doesn't really exist for me. And then, like, I don't, I'm not having these punching at the air moments when, like, you know, the turtles are piling a Megazord or that they get the powers or, you know, you have the rangers running around in, like, their, their, their ninja gear in the turtles' van. Like, yeah. or seeing, you know, Casey Jones or April O'Neil interact with the rangers. Like, I'm not having those, like, exciting, like, oh my god, this is happening moments because I just don't really have a a frame of reference besides that little bit of basic cultural osmosis that I've gained over the years. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things, it's like, this does not make this, like, a bad crossover or anything, but a lot of crossovers, when they are made, uh, it's all about, as you said, you know, using Russian wrestling turns, it's all about the pop, you know? Yeah. You know, you, you could make... You know, a very serious put together crossover, but that's not why people like crossovers. People like crossovers because they want to see, like, you know, Raphael like fight with Jason because they're both kind of hot headed or something. Right. <laughs> they, you know, they they just want to see like you know Shredder do something cool or you know Rita Rita looking hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe not that. That may, that may be just us. But essentially, you know, you you have these pops and moments that make a crossover. And that's kind of like the unfortunateness is like, we really like Power Rangers, but like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles isn't a big thing for us. I think if we, we were into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like this would have been a way different story. We would have probably been way into it. Yeah, and like I'm I'm certain that there's like somebody out, like not somebody, there's multiple somebodies out there that are just like, oh my god, this was the coolest thing ever. But for me, I just felt a little, I felt a little lost. And like I'm not, that's just me saying I am not the target audience for this book. <laughs> Um, which is fine. Like, I'm not saying that this book is bad because of it. It's just more of like, it's just not for me. Um, I mean, I would love to hear about like anybody that like read this with, that has familiarity with both Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thought of it. I mean, Mm. obviously for me, there's like still a lot of positives and like, you know, I, I, you know, I like seeing those, you know, kind of the more serious character interactions. Like, I, there's a whole thing where, like, Kimberly is mad at Tommy for most of the book. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's a, yeah, because he... That's a big thing. Because he basically left town without talking to her. And, like, she's basically like, I haven't decided yet if I if I want to see you destroyed or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I just found... I found that super intriguing and I liked seeing like the interactions with the other turtles because it's you know again it's very clear that they kind of you know a lot of the like a bunch of them do crave having a normal life and like yeah you know and being recognized as heroes without you know being feared for being you know giant mutated turtles um but yeah, I think so. I like there's definitely some interesting character moments there. The designs are clearly great. I loved seeing Rita get one up on Shredder at the end of the book. Um, also implying that she kidnapped Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, that Rita. Oh, Rita. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just a, there's just kind of this missing element for me, just because I. Am not as familiar with 
with with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Like I'm barely familiar. I when I say barely familiar at this point, I'm intimately familiar with Power Rangers, but I'm coming from it as somebody who only started watching it in 2019. Um, so like, <laughs> you know, I don't have that childhood nostalgia for either here. So yeah, it's like it's nice seeing like the Rangers interact with this character and seeing this kind of like play out. But other than that, I'm just sort of like, I I feel like I was just missing something, you know? And that's, that's not missing something out of like anything that the writers could have done differently. Cause it's just like, they are definitely coming at this from, we're going to write something that appeals to fans of both. Yeah. Uh, which, which brings us to our, our final verdict, uh, which very much, uh, if you haven't tell, uh, our verdict really is, this wasn't our cup of tea. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I have to admit, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was something I never got into as a kid, nor as an adult. I know a lot from friends, but it was never really my thing. A lot of things didn't stick or anything. And the thing with crossovers, like I pointed out over, uh, like earlier, and the thing about them, and to enjoy them, you have to enjoy both. Uh, the writing, it, it's excellent. It actually dives into some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle lore to deliver a very cool piece. The same with Power Rangers. It, it Like Ashley said earlier, it definitely feels like they wanted to deliver something that pleases both fans. Uh, the art and designs for the crossover were just phenomenal. I remember when this the, the stuff actually came out. It was just beautiful. But that being said, I'm not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, so like it didn't hit. I will say, if you are fans of both, check this out. You'll probably like it. Yeah, I'm with Sid. Besides the one Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles WWE crossover I own, I never really got into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, there was a lot of good in this comic with the art and the writing. It just feels like there was something missing there for me. I'm sure someone who's a fan of both will enjoy this, and I will say it's better than the In Space crossover. <laughs> Um, oh, it definitely was. Yeah. Like, that. not that that's a high bar to clear, but it definitely was. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like I said, I'm sure someone who's a fan of both will enjoy this, but unfortunately, that is not me. All right, that's it for this episode. Uh, we would like to thank Kate Nix for our theme song. You can find her at katenix.com, where you can find her at Bandcamp Merchant Streaming. As of publishing this podcast, she is coming back with a new show, The Summoning which um, is on Tuesdays at 8 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, stay tuned to her Twitter and Instagram. Um, Zentac, which is her name spelled backwards, for more updates. We'd also like to thank Joe Hunter for her podcast art. Uh, you can find him on uh, Twitter and Patreon at Joe underscore Hunter and Instagram at Joe Bloody Hunter. He also has a Threadless store, uh, joehunter.threadless. He's currently doing a comic, Beast Heart Strikers, with Land Pitts, back available uh, on Comicsology, uh, and he's also on backups of uh, Radiant Black. I'd also like to thank Kurt Yoder for editing our podcast. Uh, you can find his uh, Pixar Perler art at Great SG Creations on Etsy, as well as Great SG Pixels on Twitter, and uh, we're working on his Instagram right now, which is the same. Uh, wrestler of the podcast uh, is uh, Vinny Massaro. He was formerly in Lucha Underground and was sacrificed on pizza. 
He's done many pizza-related things since then. He's a local uh, NorCal and Bay Area wrestler, seeing a big resurgence in his career. You can find him on Snoring Elbow on Twitter. And if you show up to any of his shows, he really does love if you bring him Italian food. All right. And then for me, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram under the handle Miss Kitty F. Uh, and then you can also find uh, my stores as well, uh, usually on a link tree on my uh, Instagram account that features my, I no longer have a Gumroad account, but you can find my, uh, my, my main store, which has my cloth masks and zines and stuff. That would be ashley-lickwell.square.site. And you can also find me uh, on um, itch.io as well. And then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at VelociRiker. Um, I also do an apothecary store, Coda's Magical Crafts, where you can get candles and soaps, lip balms, and other things as well. Uh, you can find those social media accounts, Coda's Crafts, on both Instagram and Twitter, and in Coda's Magical Crafts on TikTok. I both have a Square store and an Etsy. Uh, Etsy would be Coda's, Cra- uh, Coda's Magical Crafts, and then Square is... Cut us magical crafts.square.site. And uh, all those sites have a uh, bio link um, to take you to where they are. As for our podcast, Ranger Splane, you can find uh, tw- us on Twitter and Instagram under Ranger Splane, as well as our Patreon. And our website, rangersplane.wordpress.com. Anywhere you can rate podcasts, give us a five star rating, let us know how we're doing, and let us help us beat the algorithm out. And we would like to give a special shout out to our $5 patron subscribers, Griffman. Thank you so much for your support. All right, next month, because we're still getting our way through Hyperforce, we are taking another small little comic break and looking over the archive comics. That's right, we're looking over some of the 90s comics and seeing how they aged. Anyway, stay safe and may the power protect you. Go. Go. Go.